sporting boots this morning that light up. <laughs> and she's three and a half. And so you all come to us as followers of Jesus. And now you're joining the body of Christ at First Pres. So we want to ask you, do you promise to join us in growing closer to Jesus, in serving him, in praying and loving and supporting each other? If so, say we will with God's help. And all of you, do you promise to love and care for this family, to pray for them and offer them just your loving arms as the body of Christ around them? If so, say we will. And guess what? These two are already on the dream team at First Press, serving. Can you believe it? So we love it that you're here, and we love you guys, and we're so grateful. Let's give them, and God, thank you. Love you guys. And you know what's cool is that we also, if you're interested in becoming a new member or learning more about it, come have dinner with us. Fitz and I would love to have you over for dinner. The next one is June 15th. We already have four people signed up. We have room for more, and we'd love to have you. If you just want to come and inquire, enjoy a great meal and great conversation around the dining room table. You need to know, if you don't already know this, that children loved Jesus. They were drawn to him. In fact, they would come and sit on his lap, and his disciples, you know what they did every time? Try to shoo them away. Yeah, as if they were bothering Jesus. And this is when Jesus said, oh, no, let the children come to me. Don't stop them, because the kingdom of God belongs to them, too. That's why you and I get to make it possible for every child to come to Jesus through sponsoring a child for VBS. And you can see that we need 15 of us to sponsor at $100 to make it possible for that child to be a part of what's going to happen uh, that Rachel will create for children. You know what happened this morning? A friend of mine came up to me and anonymously said, I want to be one of the $300 gifts to honor Ed McWilliams. And then the, the Hill family already chose to be the t-shirt sponsor to honor Ed. You and I get to join them. We do. Because then we send the message that First Pres will always do what it takes to get every child to Jesus with no obstacles. You know what Jesus did next, by the way? He would take the children in his arms, and he would bless them. And when you and I give back to God, we are blessing Jesus' children. And therefore, you and I get to become the loving arms of God wrapped around them. Well, there are five ways that you can give to be a part of one of those sponsorships. And there is a giving box, a generosity box in the back of the room that you can also use. God bless our children, right? Amen. Friends, this morning we've, we've started off rocking, and there are those of us that are online and possibly here that have had a long week, and we're coming here exhausted and just trying to 
get filled up as much as we can to start the week over again. And in our busyness, it can be hard to remember that God is present, he is here. So as you stand and we continue to sing, this is your invitation to stand and join us. <laughs> and we're gonna do something a little different. I'm going to invite our production team to turn down the theater lights, these lights that make us look so nice on, online. And I really would like to invite you to just close your eyes and allow yourself to tune in to the Lord and what he may have, have for you. What does he have to say? Maybe it's nothing but just to feel his love, his presence. He never left us and he will be with us now, in the moments to come, in this upcoming week. So let's just soak in his presence. Children and their children, may His presence grow before you. 
Thank you for leaving the 99 and searching for us.
small-town, country church kind of a pastor, he's really upset because right next to his church, some folks opened a bar. He says, we can't have this. We cannot have a bar right next to our church. And so he calls the church to get to praying about this. And so that's what they did. They prayed and they prayed and prayed that God would somehow get rid of that bar. They even had prayer vigils, like 24 hours going straight where people are coming and going in there and they're praying and they're praying and praying. There's God, you, you, you got to run them out of business, God. You just got to do something, that kind of prayer. So that's what's going on. Sure enough, after a period of time, lightning strikes the building with the bar in it and the bar burns completely to the ground. The bar owner is not happy. He sues the church. 
bar owner gets in that church and said, it's there, it's the pastor's fault, it's the church's fault. They prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed, and God listened, and God struck my bar with lightning and burned it to the ground. It's their fault. The preacher goes, no, 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 no. No, no, we're, we're just a little old church. We, we're just, and the judge is just listening intently. No, we're just a little bit old church, and we, 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 it's just prayers, just harmless little church prayers. And finally the judge goes, hmm. He looks over he sees the bar owner side, and he sees the church side, and he said, I got a bar owner over here who believes deeply in prayer. <laughs> and a pastor who doesn't. It's a little joke. <laughs> but it does bring us to Jonah's circumstances. So here we have this character, Jonah, and he's in some trouble. And you need to be clear about why Jonah's in trouble. We, we've got four weeks in Jonah. Last week was week one, and there's four chapters in this little book. And Jonah is in trouble not because of the circumstances. They're a result of something. They're a result of Jonah's stone-cold heart. Jonah's wrestling in a way that we can relate to with God telling him to do something he doesn't want to do. Principle number one. You and I are going to be asked to do something by God we don't want to do. And Jonah has been asked by God to do something he doesn't want to do. And what God asked Jonah to do, now Jonah lived near what we know modern-day Jerusalem. He's a Jewish person, and he's a special Jewish person in one sense of the word. He has a job. He's a prophet. He's supposed to go and tell people about the way to live faithfully in the covenant relationship between God and the people. And he goes and tells people that when they're messing up. It wasn't fun necessarily to be this job because when people mess up, he's the one that had to go tell them, you're not living according to the covenant. You're violating all, everything. And, and Jonah got told by God that he had to go to Nineveh which is way to the east. It's in moder it would be Assyria would be in the name of the country. So it's way east and north a little bit. And he loathed the Ninevites. They were, and for rightly so, these were grotesquely violent, pagan, contemptuous, vicious people. When in, this, in the world in those days, friends, don't, don't misunderstand. The, the Ninevites would capture people and cut pregnant women open. But they weren't the only ones. Don't just blame them. This, was a, this kind of violence and growth, they would peel people's skin off of them and bury them up to their heads in the desert. All kinds of grotesquely violent stuff. And so Jonah is thinking, how can you be good and loving God? And how can you be just and fair and why don't you do something about what's wrong and you want me to go and tell them about you you want me to go there so he's in a he's in a real puzzle but this is what he does and this is his big problem we're going to see the way the problem manifests itself in just a second he, his big problem is god says go east to nineveh and jonah catches a boat west one-way ticket all the way to gibraltar across the mediterranean and that's where he is well when um you're not listening to what God wants you to do. And when God says, go this way, there's always a boat heading in the opposite direction. Think about it. Don't you have ways that you can go, no, I'm not going to do what I think you want me to do. And there's all kinds of opportunity to go some other way, completely opposite. Well, he gets on the boat. Well, God says, principle number three, I need to get your attention, son, because I'm going to get this thing done. That is, I'm going to talk to the Ninevites. I want people to know that I love them. Even the Ninevites, Jonah. And I'm going to pause here and just give a personal illustration if I could. It's really hard for me 
these days. And there are lots of reasons why, and I, I'm not going to go into details but except for one. Okay, I'll just give you, this is a very recent experience I had, and it was in an outdoor family-oriented sport event. You with me? And I was there, and I was participating. I was in the bleachers. And I noticed a little girl, I think she was eight. I noticed this little girl in the bleachers, and I don't see any really. She had on um, tightly fitting short shorts and a little pink halter top. I'm looking at this going, something about this is bothering me. I was trying to watch what I was watching, but it bothered me. And then I hear mom use a low-grade, a, a, a low-grade expletive. Right here in, with Bam, just as if it was, as if she said the word weather or a nice swing. She used this curse word. It's, a, it's, a, it's not one of the big ones. And I thought, wait a minute. And the kid was, <laughs> he laughed. You know, so the big ones, it wasn't that. So the kid is, there's mom, there's the kid, here I am over here. And I'm just listening, sort of taking it in, and I'm kind of an intuitor, so I wasn't like consciously aware of it. And things go on, and then the person with me goes, is it just me? This was when the contest was over. Is it just me? Is there something wrong with this picture? And I look, because I realized when he said that, I realized, yeah, something about this is bothering me. And the little girl stands up, and she turns around, and she's got all kinds of eye makeup on. And I'm thinking, this is not right. And then she had a pod in her one ear. I'm thinking, she's eight, and she has a phone, and she's out in public, and she's got makeup on, and she's got skinny, skimpy, tight clothes on. And here's what I did, friends. I judged that mother. Ugh. That's what I did. I get it, Jonah. It's hard. But guess what? That woman is not ineligible. You aren't ineligible. The Ninevites aren't ineligible. The love of Jesus Christ, about which we've been singing so far this morning, means that every single person on the planet is eligible. In fact, every single person on the planet is made by God and in God's image. And though I, in my way of looking at this person, I knew nothing about this person the mom or the kid, spent no time. I have no idea anything what they're about, but man, bam, I took them out. Not the kid, the mom. <laughs> I confess my sin. <laughs> so Jonah is distressed, and we can relate, except see, it's not my job. It's not your job. And it's not Jonah's job to put some people on the list of them. And so they're not eligible. And, to, and Jonah hated it, but God put Jonah to work. Because like I said, God says, I'm getting this thing done. This promise I made to bless every family on the earth, we're, we're, we're going to do this. Uh-huh. And Jonah, I want you to go and help me make it happen. I want you to use what I put you on the planet to be good at which is to say what I tell you to say. That's Jonah's job. You and I have lots of different kinds of jobs, but Jonah's job is to go and say to people what God says for him to say. And Jonah, because of the way he trained, he knew when it was coming from God and when it wasn't. It's the reason he took the boat to Gibraltar, because he knew God was not playing games. Off he goes. Bam. Jonah 
uh, I said, I said, God's going to ask us to do stuff we don't, we don't want to do. I said, there's always some way to go in the opposite direction. I'm going to say the third thing. God will maybe do something to get your attention so he causes a storm. The, the, the sailors on the boat he's on, they don't know anything. They throw him overboard. Big fish eats him. He's in the belly of a fish. That's where we start now. Jonah is inside the belly of a fish. So let's take a look at it. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. Just leave that up just a second. You better believe he prayed. <laughs> so just another thing I want to say about Jonah and the fish. And many of you are saying, wait a minute, how can somebody survive inside a fish? And here's what I want to say to you about that. You can believe that this happened in the sense that it really happened, and I, I'm going to keep quoting Bono from you too. I believe it all, even the weird stuff. However, if you don't want to do that, that's okay. Here's what I want you to understand. This book, Jonah, is not a book about the relationship of science and faith. So you're not being asked if you read this book to wonder, can a person live inside a fish for three days? And oh, by the way, it's not vineyard vines. <laughs> I don't know if it was a whale or not. In, the, in Scripture, there's a beast called Leviathan. They knew there were big animals in there. Who knows? Maybe it was mammalian, maybe not. I, I didn't have that in my notes. Now I forgot what I was going to say next. <laughs> That's the science and faith. This book is asking you to think carefully about what I've already tried to say. Can I wrestle with God's goodness and, and God's rightness? In other words, God, why won't you do something to people that do bad things, but you're good back and forth? How can you love them? They don't need to be loved. They need to be taken out. And that's where we wrestle. And then what really gets Jonah going and you and me going is not science and faith. It's about being told to do something by God. Will I do it? And it's going to be related to loving people well, people I don't like. Jonah's being asked to love people he doesn't like. So are you. So am I. That's what you're leaving here with today, an exercise on how to love somebody. Maybe I really, really don't like them very much. Or maybe something they believe and say really bothers me like the woman did in the stand with me. So the book is about that. And so we have a person living in a fish. By the way, we have Jonah writing what happened. He had to do this later. There's no lantern inside a fish, right? He didn't have a paper and pencil. So he had to, he had to do this later. It's actually a brilliant piece of Hebrew poetry. So it, the, 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 and, and you and I don't know Hebrew poetry. I'm just wanting you to know, trust me, it's beautifully written poetry. So here we go. Jonah says, in my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. Bells are starting to go off as he thinks back. I was distressed, and I did what I should do. I reached out. I extended myself to the Lord, and here the word Yahweh would be in the text, to Yahweh. That's God's name. I'm distraught, distressed. I'm dying, and I reached out to God, and look what happens, and you answered me. So already in that line, know that something, something good is going to come from this. From deep in the realm of the dead. So if you're a person in the first century, I mean, in the, in the, this is going to be the 8th or ninth century, 6th century, somewhere before Jesus, you think that that big deep sea is death. You're sure, for sure scared of it. So being in the sea and lost was a way of being lost, darkness, all those kinds of words. You hurled... From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help, and you listened to my cry. I can quote you too again there, can I? That is their song 40, how long? You two fans, anyone? 
you hurled me into the depths, into the very heart of the seas. Currents swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. When I read all of that, you know what I think? Naked and afraid. <laughs> but he's in deep trouble and recognizes it and does what he can do, which is he reaches out to God. So we go to the next part of the text, this poem. I said, again, Jonah himself speaking, I have been banished from your sight. No kidding. He's in deep darkness and loss. Yet, I will look again toward your holy temple. Something is going on inside of him. Something's happening. The holy temple, maybe he's, he would have known scriptures. Maybe he's thinking of the imagery of Genesis chapter 1 where it's almost like a temple as we see the Garden of Eden. And then there's the temple in Jerusalem. And he's thinking about that where the temple is the place where heaven and earth meet because God's presence is there. And now, by the way, for Christian brothers and sisters, I want you to know something. We don't need a building anymore. Heaven and earth meet in the resurrected Jesus, and we're a part of that. Jesus' people are touching. We're heaven and earth people. So that's what he's experiencing. I will look again towards you, and the waters, and I'm, hang on a minute. I got, I'm on verse 5. The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. This is kind of funny. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains I sank down. I think in their mind, their worldview, mountains were things built on top of pillars that were in the waters. So the roots of the mountain are the deep roots that are going down somewhere to sort of hold the mountain up in this big, vast sea, which was darkness and fear and had beasts in it that could swallow you. The earth beneath me barred me in forever. But you... Yahweh, my God, brought my life up from the pit. We move to the next group of verses. When my life was ebbing away, he's a dead man. That's what he's saying. I'm a dead man. My life was ebbing away. I remembered you, Yahweh. Remember, he brought all this on himself. But the compassionate God who loves the Ninevites, who loves that mom, who loves me for judging her, or in spite of me judging her, who loves you, and he loves the person that made the person that you're judging. They're made in God's image. I remembered you, Lord. I am not ineligible. Jonah's realizing himself. And my prayer, he prays to Yahweh. My prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Again, maybe a combination of physical in Jerusalem and in Genesis chapter 1. Those who cling to worthless idols. Maybe he's thinking about his own worthless idol of fear and self-determination. Didn't work for him very well. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. There's that Hebrew word that's so rich, chesed. Sounds like you're clearing your throat. Everlasting love, covenant love, never-ending love. Four letters, L-O-V, don't get it. It's not enough. They've turned away from their love. But I, with shouts of grateful praise, something's happened to him, will sacrifice to you 
I'm going to give myself to you, says Jonah. What I have vowed, I will make good. I will say salvation comes from the Lord. He seems to have turned, right? Okay, now look at this last verse. The whale vomits him up. <laughs> so there's some irony and humor here because as you're going to learn when we read chapters 3 and 4, so that means you have to come back. All this prayer stuff sounds really good, except he really doesn't get it. He doesn't quite get it. He goes and sort of does what he was told to do, but he sort of the book ends with him sort of being mad. So re go read the book. It's fun. Here's, here's what Jonah missed. This comes from the book of Exodus. And Jonah's going to quote this in chapter 4 at God and be mad at God about who God is. This is God's character. He And he passed, that is, God passed in front of Moses. This is the scene when Moses is receiving from God on the tablets, the Ten Commandments, the second time. Because remember, he walked down the mountain and said, we have these 15, <laughs> 10, <laughs> history of the world, part two. <laughs> no? Okay, anyway, Moses breaks them the first time because he gets mad. So Moses has to go it again. Look at this text. God passes in front of Moses, and then God proclaims about himself his character. Yahweh, Yahweh, the compassionate and gracious God. Compassionate, gracious, slow to anger. Think about this, friends. Think about how you think about people who you want to judge the way I want to judge. Think about it. Because guess what? They're made in God's image, and God sees them without the tarnish the same way God sees you and me without the tarnish. Slow to anger, abounding in love, chesed, in faithfulness. No, uh, Jonah doesn't get it. Another text that comes from Paul. So we can bring this together as Jesus followers as we sit in this room and think about the resurrection. Paul says it this way in a letter to some Christians in a town called Ephesus. Paul says this, it's by grace, that's chesed, is a part of grace. It's by grace that you've been saved. Jonah fits all of us. Grace. Through faith, trust. Jonah was beginning to show trust in that prayer. It's not from yourselves. It's the gift of God. It's not for work. It's not by works. It's not because of what I do. It's because of what God did. That's what saves us. And that's why I need to know that I, as a forgiven person, have to be able to forgive other people. Forgiven people forgive people. It's worth, it's worth a tweeting. Forgiven people forgive people. And see, Jonah's wrestling with this because he, he hasn't really come to terms completely with all the beauty of that prayer. Let me point something out to you. Maybe you noticed it. He never really said, I'm sorry. Now, there's a lot of what must have been kind of remorse in there, but on the other hand, he didn't come out and say it. We have to come out and say it. I'm sorry that I judged that woman. I really am. You want to be sorry because you know this. God looks at that woman. God looks at the Ninevites. God looks at whoever it is that's under your skin. And God sees a person, a being created in his image. And God can see through the parts that I can't see through and that you can't see through. Here's your, here's your homework. If you're buying what I'm selling, if you believe that you 
don't have the ability to make someone ineligible, if you believe that we're all eligible, here's your job. We have this goal to try to make God's kingdom bigger. And that's religious language. And you don't even know what I mean when I say that. And we want to grow. And what we want to do is expand the footprint of the kingdom. We are talking about real relationships result in real transformation, real transformation. And here's a really, really, really vital relationship skill that you can do. This is how you can be a part of the great commission of sharing your faith with people. You want to know how to share your faith with people? Here's how you do it. You listen. Today, just a couple of minutes of listening coaching, listening training, listening encouragement. You have two ears, you have one mouth, Kathy and I have said this many times, do the math, use them that way, at least two to one. Just a few things about listening. Why can listening be a way for you and me to share our lives and our faith? Here's what listening does with people who you don't know anything about, who may really bother you. Listening does this, it creates a tone of cooperation, not antagonism. You just listen. And you can read ahead of me here. I'm just going to go through these for you. Look carefully at what we're saying here. We have to listen to people. Jonah didn't listen to the Ninevites. You'll see that next Sunday in chapter 3. He just went in and did his thing, and it was weak, and he, it was, he's lame. He's going to end up lame. Listening signals to someone, and you know this is true about you. It signals to that person that they're not going to have to fight you in order to be heard. You're going to listen. It requires humility. It requires patience. It requires respect. But stop for a minute. Made in the image of God, who gives us the right to say, that person doesn't deserve my humble respect? They're made in God's image. My job is to listen, not to run my mouth. It helps you and me understand people's motivations. What's going on inside of someone, how they think and feel, that they would reach a conclusion or say the thing they do or do the thing that they do. You're, you and I are not going to agree about it, uh, stuff. You know, People are going to disagree, and that's fine. It's how we treat each other. Here's what's really important about lis listening. When you are known as a Jesus follower and you listen lovingly and respectfully and humbly to other people, people that with whom you differ, and when people can tell that you really haven't judged them and cast them out, you know what happens? It's evident. You want to know how the good news of the gospel can become evident in our town, in our businesses, in our families? By being people that respect each other because folks watching can tell and they want in on it. And then you say, hey, I'm loved by God. It's by grace that I've been saved. I'm not here because I'm so good. I've just been loved. You get good at listening. And here's what's, that's so powerful. That's how we can be a part of this great commission to share our faith with the whole world. It's what Jonah wouldn't do. He didn't listen well. You could say something like this to somebody. I come out at a different place than you. But I understand I hope, you'll I hope you'll accept the challenge. I hope you will want to be a person who does what God asks you to do, and I'm suggesting it means engage with someone who you otherwise might be judging. I don't know if I'm going to see this woman again, and I'm not going to be creepy. <laughs> but I may find a way, because I'm, I'm pretty good at this, in the bleachers, just saying, and just the next thing I know, I'll end up introducing myself. I just can do it without creeping her out, I think. But I won't force it. 
So I'm, I'm going to stop here with the challenge of listening because we're going to do something else right now that's really cool. And in a sense, ties right straight to Jonah because we're going to pray for Bryce and his family. And here's what Bryce and his family did. They heard, it was hard, they heard God say, I want you to go here. And after 24 years in ministry, vocationally in church work, Bryce and his family decided that Bryce was going to become a school teacher. So Bryce began at Madison Middle School back in the first, the early in the, this semester. And we're busy. We have a summer part-time director. We have a summer intern. JT Hill is going to be our summer college intern. We have a search team looking. We have a search team with a big old huge cool thing that we've written up and a video. If you want it, if you want, if you have somebody in mind, let me know. But that's enough about that. I'm going to ask Bryce and Keeley and Cooper and Milo and Bevan to come, and we're going to come right here, and we're just going to pray. I'm waiting for them to come. You see, Bevan's leading the way, then Bryce, then Cooper, then Keeley, then Milo. Coop is a rising sophomore at plant. Milo, you headed to plant this year? No. no. Seventh, grade. Seventh grade. All right. Like I said. So here's what we're going to do. We're not going to talk anymore. We're going to pray. And this is what I'm going to invite you to do. I'm going to invite you to stand so everybody's standing. And this is how we're finishing our service this morning, although we're going to rattle just a little bit more after we finish. If you would like to be a part of this, come forward to put your hands on them and pray. Please do that. And I'm going to get you guys to sort of, maybe you guys could turn and huddle and face each other. That way we have a circle. Anybody who wants to come up here and pray for them and just a hand on somebody who's got a hand on somebody who's got a hand on somebody. The whole building is coming forward, Bryce so, un unlike Jonah, Bryce heard God, and he listened carefully, and instead of running in the opposite direction, and this is a family decision, they've made it together with close friends, Bryce heard a deep dream in his heart, and he is now teaching school, and so that's what he's doing, and we want to pray for you, Bryce, as you now expand the footprint of the kingdom in Madison Middle School. So, anybody who wants to pray, do so, and when it seems appropriate, I will have a closing prayer.
gracious God, each of our in each of our minds and hearts, we agree with what's been said out loud in there, and that that's been said to you, that's been quiet and just from our hearts. We also know that that's been going on here in this circle, and thank you for Bryce and Keely and for Cooper and for Milo and for Bevan and and for Coop and Milo putting up with the fact that finally they get old enough to be a part of their dad's ministry and he left it. <laughs> but not really, because gracious God, we're all in this together and the, this family remains a part of our church family in whatever way you want them on mission. And so as has been said, we pray for Bryce, particularly Keely, loving you as a nurse in the hospital, but Bryce now loving you in the public school system and for connections with teenagers that go on in a whole new way we get a chance each of us to listen to what you want us to do and it's never easy but it's always the best thing for us thank you gracious god for this family and for their friendship thank you for bryce's great friendship and his the, the way he is and was a good colleague here and the, on the official team of the church we we leave now not not as people who don't want to do what you want to do but we're a little more willing to be the people you want us to be because we have so many good examples right here say all this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Friends, the band's going to rattle a little bit. If you, need, if you need to leave, you leave. You just go ahead and we're just rattling. They can play and uh, we're, we're rocking and rolling. Dry bones rattling 